Hey Memphis, welcome to the weekend. I'm Toby Sales, news editor of the Memphis Flyer. I'm also the host of this here radio show you are listening to right now. It is aptly and correctly called Memphis Flyer Radio. Beaming at you from WYXR, your crosstown radio, raised by sound, from the Crosstown Concourse Megaplex. This show is recorded, engineered, mixed, mastered, smothered, and covered right here at Flyer HQ on the sunny streets of Cotton Road, downtown Memphis, Tennessee, USA, Planet Earth, Milky Way. Now, that is a very long way, and probably hackneyed way, to say welcome. Welcome to Friday, and and thank you for listening to Memphis Flyer Radio, the show from the people and the pages of the Memphis Flyer, your alternative news weekly newspaper. Speaking of Crosstown Concourse, I talked with a guy this week who said he'd never been to the building before. I was I was in awe at first, and then I was like, is he proud to have never gone to Crosstown the same the same way that some folks are proud to have never gone to Graceland? Well, it turns out it wasn't that. He just said that he had never had a reason to go to the building before, so he just hasn't gone. I mean, it makes sense, but it blows my mind a little bit. That place is incredible. So if your fuel tank of Memphis Pride is getting low, go to Crosstown, grab a coffee, and have a walk around. I'm talking to you, guy who I talked to last week. You know who you are. On newsstands right now is the freshest Memphis flyer that has ever existed. This week's cover was a blast and a bit of an experiment for us. Uh, We asked our readers for questions that they had about Memphis, and we used our expertise, such as it is, and our network of expert sources and got some answers. The response to the first questions issue, as we called it, was so great I hope we will do it again, and I think we will. Later in the show, Jesse Davis will talk about what he found out about those blue statues on the V&E Green Line. Bruce Van Weingarten will talk about copperheads and just how many of them there are in Overton Park. We'll have some news, of course, and Memornet, and we'll check out our calendar for, uh, for some stuff to help you get your weekend together. Hey, everybody remember, this Sunday is Mother's Day, and it's not too late to act. Set a reminder on your phone right now to at least remind yourself to give your mom a call this Sunday. You're welcome. All right, I think that's about it. Let me see here. Uh, Yep, that's about it. All right, here we go. We're going to start this week just like we do every single week here on the show with a look at the vaccine-hesitant streets of the Memornet. You know, that's Memphis on the Internet. Uh, the first one here, vaccine hesitancy, you're really going to have to pick up the paper or uh, go over to memphisflyer.com and have a look at this infographic. It really shows, uh, this is based on CDC information, it shows what populations uh, in Shelby County were the most hesitant to get the COVID-19 vaccination. Uh, so you can see it's kind of red in North Memphis, red in South Memphis, in varying degrees around the county out there. Pretty interesting. Pick it up and have a look. Uh, Sushi, Sushi Jimmy Redux, if you can say that five times fast. Memornet citizens had thoughts about our story last week announcing Sushi Jimmy would leave Memphis. Uh, Captain Insano on Reddit said, Haven't we heard this story like five times before? 
Over on Twitter, a view from Box Seat wondered, hey, anybody seen an update on Sushi Jimmy? It's been over 24 hours since the last article about him. Maybe my favorite piece of Memornet this week, uh, Booty Clap Parking Pass. No one on uh, the Memphis subreddit could explain just what was going on with this photo captured at Overton Park and posted by Benefit of Mr. Kite. Uh, and the image, again, you're going to have to pick up the paper, go to the website and have a look. Uh, but it's a, a picture that someone has put in, the, in their windshield uh, at Overton Park. And it, well, it shows up. Uh, you'll just have to pick it up and find out. But uh, anyway, user Baba Hope got closest to explaining it maybe, uh, saying that, quote, that's a booty clap parking pass. Other users agreed, though, uh, that whatever was going on in that photo was Memphis AF. Turning over to some news here, uh, Jackson Baker brought us a story with the headline, Black Candidates Should Matter. Uh, He says a major potential revolt is brewing in the University of Memphis Law School based on what black students and a senior African-American faculty member see as continuing racial injustice on the part of the institution. The disaffected faculty member is Alina Allen, the wife of Shelby County Mayor Lee Harris, and she has announced via a letter to school authorities her intention to resign in order to underscore her dissatisfaction with a system in which she writes, quote, Faculty-favored black candidates have been denied opportunities to lead. Allen's pending resignation has prompted the university chapter of the National Black Law Students Association to charge the university with, quote, racial bias and to put forth a series of demands of the administration. Another story by me, Panda Voices. Uh, Memphis Zoo officials rebutted claims last week from a group of, quote, international panda fans concerned for the well-being of the zoo's two giant pandas, Lala and Yaya. Hopefully I said Yaya right. I had to look up the uh, uh, the pronunciation of Lele, which is actually Lala. Stick with me. Uh, a Change.org petition and a letter-writing campaign by Panda Voices, a group, quote, brought together by the ongoing mistreatment of pandas Lala and Yaya at Memphis Zoo, has mobilized thousands across the globe. Dozens of form letters have been sent to the Memphis Flyer newsroom. Memphis Zoo leaders said last week that they have, quote, been in an ongoing conversation with this group who has passionately voiced their concerns over our pandas here at the Memphis Zoo. Uh, Zoo spokesman Jessica Falk said in a statement, I assure you that both pandas are monitored by keeper and veterinary staff daily. We are also in constant communication with our colleagues in China, as well as the Association of Zoos and Aquarium, and send them monthly updates. If you've listened to the show or you have picked up a copy of the Memphis Flyer, you know Jesse Davis and you appreciate what he does for the Memphis Flyer. He's a copy editor. He writes about music. Uh, he also writes about books. Uh, this week, he joined a group effort uh, for our questions, uh, our very first questions uh, uh, issue, in which we took questions from our readers. We went out and tried to get some answers. Uh, Jesse's question actually got the cover feature out there. And honestly, I've probably looked at these things a million times and never really seen them. But it's uh, statues of some blue people in, on the on the VNE Green Line. Is that right, Jesse? Yeah, yeah. The um, apparently they're called the Blue Kids uh, most of the time, and um, they're they're down there at the kind of the western end of the VNE Green Line, close to uh, Crosstown Concourse. And um, and you, and so you kind of you've seen them, uh, weren't sure exactly what they were. You went and asked somebody, "What the heck are those things?" Well, yeah, I, I talked to um, Joshua first, who is the secretary for the B and E Green Line Committee. 
Um, they kind of handle the care of, of that stretch of the green line. And um, he was great, gave me a lot of answers, but they are, um, well, they're statues and they're blue, uh, as you, you, you could tell by looking at them, but they, they were installed 10 years ago. Um, the idea came from a Memphis-based artist, uh, Ben Butler, who was at the time teaching an art class at Rhodes College. And uh, he had an idea for a, a class project, which would be a, a public art installation. And he pitched it to the Beanie Green Line Committee, several different ideas. Um, they voted and selected the, um, the Blue Kids design. And um, his class built and installed them. Um, and I think it's really great. I mean, they, they're just this really kind of weird, whimsical uh, thing, the in, installation at the, at the end of the trail. It's sort of, they, they kind of welcome you if, you if you walk all the way down to the trail. And, and that's what I love about them, too, is that they're just kind of there. Nobody really, I mean, the, the, it was enough of a mystery that somebody wrote in and asked us about them, and we had to go looking for answers. And the answer wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, uh, just that there was a, this project, they installed it, and that was about it. But the, you said the formal name is Blue Kids? Well, that's what that's what um, Josh says he calls them. He says that other people call them the Big Kids, uh, which I think is interesting. There's, I don't think there's really anything... Um, to distinguish them as as being children when you look at them but um you know that's that's the name that's stuck i guess but he says there's no official name okay. um from the the minutes of the meeting uh in which they, they first discussed the the proposed statues uh first said that they were simply called the sculptures at the west end of the trail oh what a so beautiful blue kids is a a beautiful yeah, name. Right. <laughs> um, it's it's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, so so blue kids, uh, uh, blue people. Uh, any of those are, are great. But uh, he also said that uh, this is kind of those those might be some of the first of a lot more um, art happening on the Green Line. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. They've um, like about at, at I guess the halfway point. If you're sort of walking from Rhodes College to Crossing Concourse, there are uh, some some metal trout weather vane, weather vanes that okay, are yeah. pretty neat. Uh, and then when I was um, talking to, to Josh last uh, last week, he said that they had just installed a, a new sort of spherical structure, um, which is supposed to be a, a memorial to one of the founding members of the trail, Jan Kirby, who uh, passed away last year. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. So uh, get out to the V&E Green Line and keep your eyes peeled for uh, a lot more art happening out there. Uh, I will say right here, the last time I was on the V&E Green Line, which is years ago, uh, I saw a piece of natural art in the form of a huge copperhead snake out there, which we'll get into uh, uh, when I talk to Bruce Van Weingarten later in the show. Uh, so keep your eyes out for that, too. But it's it's Jesse, what I loved about it was it, it, that's a kind of piece of Memphiana, as I call it. Like, what are these things? You're really digging in and, and finding these weird little mysteries uh, around around Memphis. And that's what I wanted the questions issue to be, and I think you really got the heart of it, so I appreciate you doing that. Um, I'm going to switch gears on you right now. Like I said, Jesse does a lot of stuff around the old Memphis Flyer, and uh, and one of the things he's always done super well, that I don't even know if that's a if I can say super well as a – is that a thing a reporter can say on the radio? I think so. Um, 
it's super it's fine he's super good oh we'll see it's it okay well uh, so then i feel okay about it you know better than super good but uh, jesse has uh, uh always written really well about books for us and this week uh, if you go over to memphisflyer.com you're going to find a couple of books that he looked into very different books but they share one thing and that is mississippi you looked at uh, two new books from mississippi authors uh, uh one of them was about a record label tell us about that one first Okay. Um, yeah, that's uh, Rob Bowman's The Last Soul Company, the Malacca record story. And um, one, one other interesting thing, they're, they're, both of these books are about Mississippi and Mississippi culture, but they're really interesting Memphis connections. Um, and Rob Bowman is, is the guy who wrote basically the first book on stacks, um, Soulsville, USA. And um, He's also written a lot of, of the liner notes for uh, different stacks, record compilations and things like that. And he was first introduced to Malacca Records because he went down there to interview former stacks employees who moved to this uh, Jackson, Mississippi label. And, and when he was working on his, his stack stuff, interviewed some some people down there. And that's how he kind of got turned on to that record label. Um, and what they are, they used to be basically a recording studio that would then license their songs to um, to other bigger distributors. In fact, even Stax had some um, releases like Mr. Big Stuff was uh, recorded at Malaco. Oh, okay. But yeah. And then a little while into um, basically into the, the disco and funk and the very, very, very beginnings of, of hip hop. Um, they started signing soul singers who had reached middle age and weren't quite, you know, they're not like quite the heartthrobs that they used to be. Um, and their soul is a little more like, oh man, that's my dad's music right. for, for some people. Um, but what they would do is, is sign these soul singers and have them sing kind of like soul lyrics over blues forms, song forms. Okay. Um, which I guess was supposed, you know, blues is a little closer to the source. I mean, if you go to Stax Museum, they talk about blues and gospel and how you mix that and, and with pop music and get soul. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess it was a little more authentic or a little more respectable for, for someone who's middle aged to, to do. But they started getting successes that way. And then um, when mass choirs became a big thing in the gospel world, particularly the um, black gospel world, they started signing gospel quartets, which were a little out of out of vogue. Right. And, and they made enough money doing that that they started buying record labels who owned mass choirs. And um, so they've had all of these really neat successes by taking risky gambles and, and those gambles paying off. And now they've they've gotten into the, the streaming and sampling world by digitizing this massive catalog they have. And I mean, like Megan the Stallion and uh, all, all of wow. these um, hip hop and 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 uh, rap greats have like sampled them, um, like to just all these different household names. And I think it's so cool. They just keep on um, embracing these these changes in the industry and like finding a way to make it work. And it's just this little label out of Jackson, Mississippi, that's been running. I mean, I, for it's one of the longest running um, independent labels in america right and and as you say in the story that you know they did this over many 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 years you know i mean all these different uh, all these different innovations that they did happened over a long span of time 
but kept it going for so, so long. So uh, check out memphisflyer.com and read about that book. What's the name of the book again, Jesse? Uh, it's the, the Last Soul Company. And it's got this really great image on the on the front there uh, of the book. It's really, really neat. And that guy, that's the Payne's Barbecue guy, right? He's the one that likes Payne's? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what we first started talking about when I interviewed him. He's, he, um, and that's how I knew. It's like, this guy lives in Memphis. He's got a favorite, or lived in Memphis. He, he got his PhD at um, then Memphis State. And, you, you know, if you've got a favorite Memphis barbecue joint, then you are it's like okay you've got some memphis credit yeah absolutely know? absolutely so uh uh so check that one out the next book that you wrote about it's getting a lot of press out there uh i've read excerpts here and there uh it's really neat is it called a place called mississippi a place like mississippi a place like mississippi mm-hmm. um that's by w ralph eubanks um who is uh, a writer and uh, uh sometimes a, a professor as well of southern studies And uh, basically what he does is he, through um, the literature of Mississippi, and I mean, spanning stuff going back a ways uh, to like really, really contemporary things like Jesmyn Ward um, or Tom Franklin, um, he examines uh, Mississippi's, he, he basically tries to like triangulate what Mississippi is and what it means to America hmm. by looking at it through the literature and also the landscape. There are all these beautiful photos of the different geographic areas in um, in Mississippi and, and kind of like the legacy of it as well. And, and another, I mean, he just looks at poetry, fiction, nonfiction. It's, it's a really, it's kind of billed as literary criticism, but I think that there's a lot more going on than that. And it's he's got a way with words and um then there are all these lovely quotes from other mississippi authors so it's um it's kind of a a riot if you're um a big fan of southern literature it's it's i would say a must read absolutely uh i i've lived in memphis for a long time now enough to know that there is something going on in mississippi uh i can't have uh, uh define the magic that's happened down there but so many writers so many great things come from that state uh i'll have to pick this book up and check it out well, uh tell us the name of the author one more time um that's w ralph eubanks and uh, a place like mississippi is the book and you can find both of these books uh find links to them at memphisflyer.com you can probably find them wherever uh better books are sold i know that a place like mississippi uh has exploded it's everywhere so you can check that out uh but keep uh keep watching the pages of the flyer and memphisflyer.com for more great stuff from jesse davis jesse thanks again for being with us today i appreciate you absolutely thanks for having me toby all right, we're going to turn back to the old uh, uh, stepping out and staying in section, our calendar section, to give you a few things to help you get your weekend together. Uh, the very first one, Mother Nature. This is Mother's Day at the Garden Outdoor Picnic. This is at Memphis Botanic Garden, 750 Cherry, Sunday, May 9th, 10 a.m. through 2 p.m. It's free with garden admission. And y'all, this one's pretty easy. I've done it before. So if you have a mother that you want to celebrate, go grab a brunch, take it out to the Botanic Gardens and have a beautiful picnic out on the grounds. They also have food and drink available on site if you don't want to bring your own stuff. But mom is going to love it. Take her out to the Botanic Gardens this weekend for a really special Mother's Day. Another great Mother's Day event is Mother's Day at AutoZone Park. That's downtown. Third Union, downtown Memphis, uh, Sunday, May 9 at 11 a.m. Enjoy a pregame brunch. Stay for the game where the Memphis Redbirds will take on the Durham Bulls. There will be special giveaways and treats for mom. Tickets uh, run from $12 to $60. 
And this Saturday, May 8th, that's tomorrow from 1 to 6 p.m., the Riverfront Market. This is going to be on Tom Lee Park, I think. 30-plus local vendors, free skate rentals, and fun for all ages. That's presented by Memphis River Parks Partnership and the Downtown Memphis Commission. Go to memphisflyer.com for more information on that one. Uh, Bruce Van Weingarten, as you know, is the editor of the Memphis Flyer. Good morning, Bruce. How are you, sir? Good morning, Toby. How are you? Doing great. You sound melodious over there. I'm down here on the uh, sun-drenched streets of Cotton Row, and you are over at the Flyer East office uh, uh, at home. I know. It's wild getting back to the office. Well, I'm going to try to start doing that uh, now and then in the next week or two. But uh, as for today, I'm sitting in my own uh, dining room looking out at this beautiful, gorgeous, sunny spring. Yeah, it's amazing, and uh, and man, hopefully we can get out and start enjoying some of that really soon. Uh, I, as I was walking around today, uh, I had to walk down to Walgreens, and uh, downtown is still a ghost town out there. And you know, back uh, before in the before times, it would have been jam packed, but today it was uh, a little eerie down there. But I wanted to talk to you this morning about uh, uh, your column, and uh, the the very first line is dispatches from an alternate universe. Uh, you've got a collection of quotes in here from. Uh, well, from Republican sources, I guess so. Uh, yeah. how, did, how did you curate this? How, how did you pull this column well, together? You know, uh, often uh, curation comes in a sort of a panicky mode on Monday morning and <laughs> Tuesday morning. And I start going through my Twitter feed and looking at uh, things I've read that I've kind of clipped and set in a file, links from the week that I've read. Uh, these, And I found these quotes, uh, and I just copied them all. and and. It indicated, obviously, the the sort of, uh, I don't know what you call it, this mental illness that the Republican Party, many of them seem to have, which is just uh, they're afraid to uh, face reality, which is that President Trump is now former president, and he lost pretty handily. And every, there has been no proof whatsoever from anyone to to alter that fact. And yet this sort of, credo of the Republican Party is that you have to keep this fantasy going. So anyway, I collected a bunch of quotes from folks who, uh, who uh, you know, propelling this thing. Right. Go on. Have, having, a, having a weird yeah. week. Uh, yeah. I think out there, and and you're absolutely right. I mean, what all these quotes told me was this stuff didn't go away when when Trump left the White House, uh, in whatever way that he did. Uh, consider this one. This is from uh, Tennessee State Senator Frank Nicely, who said, uh, "I think if you've got your weight right and your lifestyle right and your diet right, I don't think this virus will bother you." And that was him uh, trying to pass a bill uh, that would give Tennesseans the freedom not to get the COVID vaccine. Yes, uh, freedom. Of course, we already have, but. You know, you can't be too careful. Uh, and, uh, you know, i got to say, Toby, that your accent on Frank nicely, uh, it sounds like you you might have been able to do that right, really naturally. Yeah, uh, it, it, it feels pretty natural uh, when I get my eyes just right really, here, you know. Really Eastern Tennessee to me. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Uh, that was good. No, well, thank you. Uh, another one here, I'm going to really try to pull this off. It's been a while since I've uh, voluntarily listened to his voice, but it says, how are we doing with Iran? They would have they would have done nothing. China, the same thing. They never treated us that way. And the border? Massive amounts of people in our hospitals and schools. Do you miss me? They said, Sir, get sixty six million vote uh, votes and the election's yours. Well, I got seventy six million votes and they say I lost. Who are they kidding? It was stolen big time and everybody knows it. Who was that, Bruce? We have uh, 
the former guy, uh, <laughs> Donald Trump, at a wedding at Mar-a-Lago. I, I watch this video. <laughs> and you see the, the wedding band is kind of standing off to the side, a guy with a big guitar and kind of a goofy looking hat. And there's probably 40, 50 people standing there. And Trump was up on the stage, this little ramble that he's doing to these 40 or 50 people. And um, it's not quite the same as, you know, a stadium full of raging uh, magas, but uh, it was just sort of pathetic. And, and I just thought, well, that's pretty much, uh, that's the fearless leader that we're all uh, pretending uh, is telling the truth. I love it. And, and one of the things I love about this situation is, uh, I don't know who this couple was, but, you know, if they were going to get married at Mar-a-Lago, they had to know that like a kind of a, a you know, a, a impromptu speech from the former president might be a thing they get added to their wedding. I can't imagine you said, honey, let's go get married at Mar-a-Lago and just think that he's just like out of town somewhere. Right. So so I bet these folks loved it. He's lonely and he's sitting there and he's probably already had his uh, big old well done steak with ketchup and he's decided <laughs> to go down and check out that wedding and uh you know there's tiffany and brad and their <laughs> their families and, and there's a band playing you know whatever the you know bar mitzvah songs they play right here comes donald <laughs> and the band stops and he just rambles oh man it's worse than your drunk brother-in-law getting up to give you a toast uh, at the thing yeah. but uh uh, moving on, I won't read this quote, but uh, but basically, Dominion voting uh, systems, they're coming in cleaning house on everybody who tried to dog them in the wake of the election, uh, who said that the voting system uh, was rigged and illegally rigged and that Dominion was in on it. Uh, those right. folks, they are, uh, uh, they're facing some multi-million dollar lawsuits. Yeah, they are. And uh, along with Fox News and I think OAAN or whatever the hell it's called, right. Newsmax, they're all basically backing off these uh, claims because they know their faults and they were getting away with it. But this is the thing that they're all, you know, all, the, all they're doing, uh, paying homage to is this, this myth that the election was stolen. And now even the people that were spreading it, uh, the media are having to back off, but yet it still keeps going. So it's a very strange, and I, I, I ended the column by saying the same thing that Mitt Romney said when he was faced with a booing crowd of Republicans. He said, aren't you embarrassed? And uh, I think they should be embarrassed to you know, propagate this kind of crap. Well, I, I wonder if they have any shame left, to be honest with you, especially after what we've gone through here. But uh, uh, shifting gears a little bit uh, for our questions issue, uh, and in this issue, just to re remind folks, uh, this is the first time we've done this. We ask our readers, what questions you have about Memphis? Uh, we took those questions in, and we tried our best to get some of the best answers uh, there. You took on Copperheads in Overton Park, which is one yeah. of those things when you go to the park, you try to turn that part of your brain off. I know I do when I'm, when I'm out there. Uh, but uh, we know that there's a ton of them out there. Uh, they're probably reclusive, not going to hurt you. But if you think about it too much, it's almost like sharks in the ocean. What did you find out? about copperheads well the, the interesting this question hit home because um, a couple of years ago i i ride my bike through over the park fairly often i was coming down a path a concrete path and there was a nice little copperhead about two feet long crossing the path i got off and took a picture of it and uh i happened to have that picture on my phone and so when i wrote the article i could call and you know ask folks and get an estimate as far as how many snakes are there but i also had the art 
very handy on my camera. So I was very proud of my, uh, <laughs> my contribution. I would hold it up on the radio, but no one could see it. Nobody could see it. But... You can read the article, get the paper, go online and look at it. It's a beautiful shot of a copperhead that I took. Well, it's terrifying. It, 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 that's what they say, 350 snakes or so, I think. Yeah. That they're over there. Sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot, but but as you say in there that uh, you know, uh, really they're not coming to to hunt for you. And if you see one, just leave it alone, and you should be yeah. fine. But uh, I can say that photo there, it instills terror in me. I don't know what it is about <laughs> snakes, but you know, everybody's got their thing. Snakes is one of the four thousand things I'm afraid of. But uh, but I just look at that and think, no way, man, I'm done. I'm a spider guy. <laughs> I did a spider getting on my body and crawling around just. Uh, Snakes don't lie. I know, I know. Terrifying, too. I mean, I'm probably a spider guy, too. I just haven't had the uh, the experience yet. So just give me some time, and I'll be a spider guy uh, spider guy myself. But, uh, uh, well, that was great. Well, Bruce, that was everything I had. What, what what else is on your mind? Anything, or are you ready to roll? Snakes and Republicans, all I had going this week. Woo! Well, you can read all about all of that in the latest issue of the Memphis Flyer. Out on newsstands, or you can find it on memphisflyer.com. Bruce, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Toby. All right, see you, man. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the first half, the talk half of Memphis Flyer Radio. Please stick around for the second half, the better half of Memphis Flyer Radio with our music editor, Alex Green, who's going to uh, spin you some records and tell you some tales over there and sound good doing it. Thank you all so much for joining me here today. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll catch you next week. All right, Alex, take it away. Thank you. Thank you.